0: I'm Timothy Putnam, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week, we gather right here to explore the foundations of our faith, to look at the implications of our faith on our daily lives, so that together, you and I can prepare to live outside the walls. Oh, good gracious! It's been a week. Uh, Tuesday night, I stayed up till way too late. Actually, Wednesday morning was up until uh, two o'clock. That's as far as I could make it. Uh, And of course, the the announcement was made at three thirty. In the, in the morning uh, that Donald Trump had won the presidency. And that, that was really a shock to a, a great number of people. Uh, none of the polls predicted it. None of the, um, uh, you know, there, there were people, specifically Trump supporters, who absolutely believed that that would be the case. Uh, most of us did not. And uh, if you read my blog at all, uh, OutsideTheWalls.com, you can find that. The blog is on the Pathios Network. It's called A Belief Observed. Uh, and if you've read that, you know that I was not a Trump supporter. Now, neither was I a Hillary supporter. I, uh, I fell firmly in the uh, in-between in phase. Uh, actually, not the in-between phase. Further to the right, uh, I, I voted for uh, a conservative candidate who had absolutely no chance of winning, uh, and I did so uh, for the sake of conscience. Of course, we talked in uh, late August with Sam Rocha, I uh, did a, a great episode there about conscience. You can find that uh, on our archives, outsidethewalls.com. And, uh, and I'm, still, I'm still skeptical. Now, I tell you what, it, it doesn't matter uh, who would have made it into office. If, if Hillary had been elected, I would be having this very same show today. Uh, we're going to talk about what our responsibility as Catholics is uh, now that the election is completed. Now that the election's completed and we have a president-elect, what is our responsibility? You know, a lot of people have uh, either gone to hand-wringing or they have uh, gone into triumphalism. And uh, both of those are uh, the improper, I think, the improper response for us as Catholics. So today we're going to be talking about, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of posts out there saying, hey, you know what? Um, we ought to all just calm down because God is still on his throne. Right? God is still the king. God is still on his throne, and all of these other things don't matter, and we're getting too worked up. And uh, so what we're going to talk about today is the absolute truth of that statement. That is absolutely true, that Christ is on his throne, and that really is more important uh, than who is in the Oval Office. Uh, that is absolutely true, but it's also utterly insufficient. That can't be uh, our go-to response and and be left there. Oh well, we shouldn't worry because God is on his throne because that that statement that Christ is on the throne or Christ is king uh, has some implications and some requirements of us if we if we say them and if we believe that they're true. Uh, and so that's what we're going to be talking about today. Later in the show, we're going to be joined by uh, Jason Hall. He is the executive director of the, the Catholic Conference of Kentucky. Uh, and so we're going to talk with him a little bit about what a Catholic conference is. This is not like a, um, a conference that you attend uh, for a week and hear seminars. No, this is a, a different uh, kind of entity. We're going to talk with him about what a Catholic conference is, what his specific job here in the state of Kentucky is. Uh, of course, many, many states have a Catholic conference. and then uh, And then from there, we're going to talk about how uh, how we as Catholics are to respond really to any temporal leader, but specifically here in a democracy. How we, or, or for those of you who are politically uh, acclimated, uh, are a representative republic, a representative democracy, democratic republic. Um, what is our responsibility uh, in realizing that neither political party that that currently exists uh, fully encompasses the Catholic faith. Both of them have things in their platform that are in agreement with the Catholic faith. Both of these main parties also have things that are uh, diametrically opposed to our Catholic faith. Uh, and uh, I think that we have to remember that. We have to remember that, or we can very easily get uh, so caught up and in, in uh, become b- beholden, to a political party, uh, that we lose sight of those deeper issues of faith, those deeper issues of justice that we are called as Catholics to uphold. Uh, so, yes, the, this is one more political show, and I, I think that I can promise, I think that I can promise that this will be the last one for a while. We're going to go to some nice, uh, encouraging, universal topics as we have a universal Catholic faith. But I do think that right now, as uh, part of the world, uh, it, part of our uh, United States Catholic world is uh, in celebration, and part of our Catholic world is in mourning. And I think both of those miss the mark. Both of those miss the mark. Um, how does it miss the mark? Well, we are ambassadors of Christ. And I heard this growing up all the time. We're, amb- we, we're ambassadors of Christ. And it was kind of this idea, uh, you know, it's in the Scripture, first of all. The Scripture, uh, Paul talks about us being ambassadors for Christ. But I think when I was growing up, uh, it was more more portrayed as people are watching you and you have to live life well because you are representing Christ. And so it mo- was more about my own uh, holiness and whether or not I was being a good example. But that is not remotely what an ambassador does, right? Uh, An ambassador has the responsibility of representing his government, not just in, hey, people are going to watch how you act, but he's representing, he or she is representing those things that are in the best interest of his country. So you and I have, have to be about representing those things that are in the best interest of the kingdom of God, this means that we can't really be beholden completely to one political uh, platform. And a lot of folks were saying, well, I'm going to vote for Donald Trump because he is the lesser of two evils. And uh, that that was according to their conscience. They uh, they weighed the issues as they understood them. They uh, They formed their conscience as best as they could. And that was the conclusion that they came to. Now, I came to a different conclusion. And that doesn't mean that Uh, They were right and I was wrong, or they were wrong and I uh, was—or I was right and they were wrong. What it it means is that uh, when we formed our consciences being different people, we came to different conclusions, and both of them are—it's completely viable that both of those decisions are licit, are correct, insofar as we understood them, right? And that's what what conscience is, right? As we stand before God, uh, what do we feel is the right thing to do? Uh, and so, so long as someone really before God said, I really believe that this is the right thing to do, then that good, then fine. Uh, but now that we have done that, we have to remember that nobody was ever starting and saying, we believe that, well, okay, some people were, but I, I, these people I think are wrong. No, very few people were out there saying Trump is going to be a good and moral leader. What they said is that he is the lesser of two evils. So now that he's come into office, uh, I think that we owe it to the unity of our government to say we are going to do our—he is now the president of everybody. Nobody can say he's not my president. He's the president—he will be in January, the president of everyone. Uh— so we can't say that, and we can't say, I hope he fails, and we can't say any of these other things. What we can do, and I think it's beholden on us to do, is to say, here are the things that our faith uh, demands of us. Here are, the, here are the things that are in the best interest of the kingdom of God, and we're going to make noise on these things. We're going to support you insofar as we can support you. Those things that I, uh, I am personally— For this might surprise some of you, some of the things I'm looking forward to in uh, in a Trump presidency is I am hoping that those things, uh, specifically the HHS mandate uh, and how that affected the Little Sisters of the Poor and several other of our religious organizations, I hope those things are walked back. I hope that there is a greater freedom given uh, to religious expression. Uh, Now, I hope that it's given not just because we're Catholic and, hey, I'm going to do a couple of things. I hope that principally it's given, that there is a, uh, a, a walk back of that whole freedom of worship idea that has been thrown about and that we really do push for the free exercise of religion, the whole thing. Uh, I, I look forward to that. Um, and so that, uh, that applies to Catholics. And Protestants and Muslims and uh, everyone else, and so, uh, so I hope that it's not just uh, this this political ploy of I'm going to give the Catholics a few bones. I really hope that he upholds uh, the the free exercise of religion as enshrined in the Constitution. Uh, I also uh, I'm going to have some concern on some of his immigration policies, as will the Church. Uh, the Church has some very clear things to say, and what I want to encourage you to do is to, when you look at a political party, uh, whatever that party happens to be, because there are there are a few out there now, uh, when you look at the platform, uh, judge the platform based on the magisterial authority of the, the bishops. The bishops have given us so much good stuff, uh, good instruction, good spiritual direction. I encourage you, uh, look at the world through the lens of the faith given to us through... Uh, the apostles and their successors. And rather than looking at the bishops and saying, oh, well, they're just liberal, they're just conservative, they're just whatever, uh, start from that place of faith and judge the world by faith rather than judging our faith by these worldly categories, these political categories. Uh, man, there's there's so much more to get to. We're going to be talking with Jason Hall just after the break. He is the executive director of the Catholic Conference of Kentucky. Uh, it's going to be a great conversation. Why don't you join me over at facebook.com slash step outside the walls on Twitter. The handle is at outside the walls. And of course, you can find all of our archives at outside the walls dot com. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls. Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I am your host, Timothy Putnam. Oh, I'm so glad you're here today. You could have been anywhere. You could be. You could be uh, squeezing one of those stress balls and and uh, any number of things. But you're listening to me today. I appreciate that. Of course, uh, just just last this last week, the nation elected Donald Trump as uh, the president-elect. He's going to be uh, inaugurated. Uh, later in uh, late January, and if you've been following my blog over at OutsideTheWalls.com or any any of my Facebook interactions, you know that this came as quite a a shock to me. Uh, but here's where I I fall down uh, on the on the political spectrum, that wherever our politics in the nation come into contradiction with our faith, we have an obligation first and foremost to our faith to tell our to stand up to our politics uh, and so I have in studio Studio C with me here today Jason Hall who is the executive director of the Catholic Conference in Kentucky and basically that's that's your job is uh, standing for the bishops in the in the state of Kentucky and telling politicians what the Catholic Church stands for Yeah, that's
1: right. And also, you know, working with others who we agree with on an issue-by-issue basis Mm -hmm. uh, to try to, you know, advance the church's uh, social teaching uh, in
0: the public policy arena. And that's, you talk about issue-by-issue, that puts you in contact really with everybody all the way across the board, uh, both Republicans and Democrats and Independents, because depending on what the issue is, you're going to have some agreement with every one of those party platforms. That's right, and some strong disagreement
1: right. uh, with each party platform. And, and you know, that's one of the... I mean, that, to me, that is the real value of having the Church's voice in the public square mm-hmm. is the perspective and the richness of Catholic social teaching is a perspective that, unfortunately, um, is not shared by any particular segment. Uh, you know, there's not one party or group of, or kind of political movement that, you know, for example, upholds the dignity of, you know, the unborn, the right to life of the unborn, and sees, you know, access to health care as a right. basic right. Like, it's usually you have to pick one or the other. And if you're, depending on which party you're in, or which, who you're voting for. And mm-hmm. so I think having that voice that sees that continuity, and the, the connectedness of all of that is very important.
0: Well, and for us, it streams from uh, the, the principle that, all all humans are created in the image of God, they right. bear inherent dignity, and it, it, we look at the, the two great commands, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so when we look at the unborn, when we look at the poor, when we look at those who are sick, we're looking at that second greatest commandment of loving your neighbor as yourself, and it creates this cohesive, uh, really, system. That upholds and, and obeys that command. Right, and also the Church would push back very strongly, and, and multiple Popes,
1: Pope Benedict and Caritas and Veritate actually addresses this directly, uh, and Pope Francis has addressed it as well, would push back against this notion that, well, that applies to my relationship with people I see in front of me, mm-hmm. but does not apply to the to way we organize ourselves in communities and societies. It very much does the, the, the law of charity applies at every level of engagement. And, and you know, as Pope Benedict said that, you know, being involved in uh, working against injustice, lifting up the poor through political means mm-hmm. is as valid an expression of charity and as an essential expression as one from person to person. It's all connected. Yeah, yeah.
0: So we're, we're talking with uh, Jason Hall, Executive Director of the Catholic Conference, and uh, relating uh, to our experience with the election this year, it's been a very contentious election. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like both parties did their utmost to give us the worst possible candidate yeah. uh, and, and really tried hard at it. They really, really tried hard to give us really poor choices, specifically as Catholics. Uh, I specifically was... Uh, I was not... A fan of either Hillary or or Donald, I voted uh, third party. But in the midst of that, uh, a lot of people were very frustrated with me because I I wasn't promoting the candidate that they saw was the most important. Uh, generally, it was on on the issue of life, and they talked about well, Trump in this case is the lesser of two evils. He may be bad, but he's not as bad. A- and now we're we're at the election. Uh, Trump has been elected, and I've seen a lot of people say, okay, now we just need to create unity, we need to all get along, we need to kind of rest back and, and allow him to do whatever. And that's not where we are as Catholics. We I, I love this, um, this statement of John Paul II who said, we don't impose the truth, but we do propose the truth, and the truth will impose itself. Hmm. Uh, and so we... I worry that people will begin to be silent on those issues that matter uh, as we, as we see Trump now coming into his, his own.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that with any, no matter who is elected, I mean, and it's, you know, I understand, believe me, that politics and policy and is not everybody's thing mm-hmm. and it's not everybody's calling, but we live in a system, especially, first of all, as Catholics, we're called to witness to things like the dignity of the human person on an everyday basis and in a system like ours, um, it requires vigilance. I mean, it does require, it doesn't require you to be a political junkie. It doesn't require you to, 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 to breathe, you know, eat and breathe it and live every day, but it does require you to be engaged and it, to do things other than just, you know, casting that ballot once every few years and going home and not worrying about it. Or, you know, Sometimes people feel like at the end of a campaign they're very exhausted and can't we get a break? Maybe right. the answer is to not be so emotionally invested in the campaigns as they're going on, uh, because I feel like we get so ratcheted up to a life or death struggle, and we're not going to survive this if the right person doesn't win,
0: as you're saying. And then the next day we go back to our yeah.
1: Well, how uh, mu- was that ever serious to begin with?
0: I'm going to get this number wrong. Uh, I'm going to admit to you I saw this on, on I'm. I stay around social media a lot. And there was a, a Stephen Colbert had his thing going on mm. uh, the evening of the election. And somebody posted this little video, but one of the statistics in that video really stood out to me. And he said, uh, and he had the source for it and put it up on the screen that that 51% of, uh, I think it was 51% of Republicans truly feared the <laughs> positions of the Democrats and thought that it was going to undo the nation. And forty nine percent of Democrats thought the same thing about Republicans. So we have uh, fully one quarter uh, of the population in the United States absolutely positive that the other party is going to bring about the dissolution of the union. Yeah. Uh, and so we do end up with this this great fear. Uh, and uh, as as Yoda said, fear leads to anger, and anger leads to the dark side, or something like anger that. Leads A, anger leads to hate. Anger leads yeah. to hate. Okay. <laughs> And so now we know the other thing that you have a passion about, right? Because you need need that quote. (laughs) Well, I don't know. I know some things about Star Wars. So let's talk about how does one uh, get involved politically without getting all ratcheted up? I mean, you do this every day. How do you survive? (laughs) Well, it is easy to get ratcheted up even when you do it
1: every day. And you have to be very careful. You have to take a step back. You have to keep proper perspective. I think Things like having a historical, like studying history uh, help a little bit with that. But I think, you know, the average person, including even if you're whether you work in politics or you're just, you know, a citizen, I, um, I think just being open to what the church has to say, following the news, and not just the, you know, there's, there's, follow, there's reading things mm-hmm. and listening to thoughtful people. And being more educated, and then there's listening to cable news and talk radio, and and reading books by, you know, provocateurs that is designed to play to your right. emotions. And, and I, there, think, it's, it's and I think we can step back from one and focus mm-hmm. on the other. I
0: think it's important to say there that it's not so much that people who listen to uh, talk radio or they listen to uh, and I don't uh, the mean cable uh, this show, by the way. Oh, of course not, <laughs> or, or the, the cable network or whoever else is less. Uh, educated than a person who reads. But you have to recognize that the goal of that that specific medium is different yes. than reading. The goal of that medium is to get you impassioned with a small sound bite because uh, you know, when you're doing most television interviews for the television news, they give you 10 seconds to say whatever you're going to say and they chop it up from different places and then they fill in the rest. and you've got a 30 second story for something that's really substantive. Whereas you pick up a book or a journal article or a a longer form piece, you're going to get quite a bit more. They want you to engage with the whole concept rather than, hey, let me give you a a snapshot to get you inflamed. And part of that is, you know, like
1: just for example, the the one issue, one of the issues that was debated in this presidential election is the Trans-Pacific Partnership, right? Mm -hmm. It's a big trade deal. Well, I mean, we all have opinions maybe on that. I don't know. But I, I don't believe when you see a poll that you know 70% of the American people believe a certain thing. I, I will guarantee you 70% of the American people do not understand the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Very few people do. Mm-hmm. You have to really get into it. And that doesn't mean... So part of it, I think, is understanding that I'm not going to understand every issue. I don't care about every issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's okay for me not to have a position on a particular... See, part of what that that kind of media does is it's about mobilizing and firing up people out Mm -hmm. of based on fear uh, of things that they may not even have an interest in. And we have to guard against, we don't want to be used by outside forces. We want to use our citizenship and our voice to shape um, our mm. political discourse, not just always be responding to it.
0: Well, and even the, even the church herself doesn't have positions on every single oh, thing. Oh, absolutely not. Even yeah. when it t- comes to doctrine, there are things uh, that the church says, hey, people of goodwill can legitimately and licitly disagree right. about about these issues. Uh, we're talking today with Jason Hall. He's the executive director of the Catholic Conference of Kentucky. We're talking about this election. When we come back, we're going to continue this conversation talking about uh, how do we move forward uh, day-to-day to continue to, to, as Catholics, influence the world around us, uh, influence the policies to make a better world, uh, to follow those two great commands, to love God and to love neighbor. Why don't you join the conversation over at facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle is at Outside the Walls. Hey, let's get a little thing going. Talk to me about uh, your political involvement outside of just that four-year cycle election we'll be right back right after this you're listening to outside the walls Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam, and we are, I promise, this is the last for a while, but we're talking about the election just just one more week, and we'll get back to uh, other more pressing uh, engagements. But we're talking today with Jason Hall. He is the executive director of the Catholic Conference of Kentucky, which is an organization that uh, speaks for the bishops of the state uh, to the state legislature, basically, Mm -hmm. it's uh, this is an ugly word, right? But it's a lobbying group.
1: Is that no, correct? Well, I'm,
0: yeah, it is. I'm a registered lobbyist. So, so. Wh- which don't don't turn off the radio. There, <laughs> there's, there's benefit. Uh, so, you you talk to the legislature. You talk to the the state senate and the state house mm-hmm. uh, about those issues and that, the administration and the government administration government. about those things that the Catholic Church cares about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, we're talking specifically about this election uh... president elect donald trump will be inaugurated in january and i've on social media seen a lot of people who are really excited and a lot of people who are really upset and we've seen that there have been some protests and others are saying uh... hey it was a fair election suck it up and and i just want to say we have a first amendment yes it's a it's It is a fair election. There was no fraud. Everything went the way that it was supposed to go. Uh, But people are allowed to express their First Amendment rights because if they're not, we're not, right? This is important that we allow our Constitution to work the way it was meant to work. Now, uh, one of the points that's been very much uh, something that that has been important to me is I see a lot of people who get so ratcheted up, like we were talking about before the break, Mm Uh, in in the election and in their person, even if they don't necessarily like their person, they've invested so much in them that uh, that once the election is over, their candidates won, they still want to adhere to that that person and, and defend them uh, and defend their choice. Maybe uh, and what I see as a Catholic and I'm I'm a convert, uh, what I see is that I have two parties who completely uh, neither one of them completely. Uh, encompasses my faith. Both of them have some serious flaws when it comes to uh, upholding the teaching of the church. Uh, and I have an obligation, first, to be a citizen of heaven. I have a, an obligation, you know, people have been saying, oh, Jesus is still on his throne, and that's true. Uh, it, social media I talked about, we were going to talk today about the, uh, the absolute truth and the utter insufficiency of saying that Christ is on his throne. Mm-hmm. Because that only matters that Christ is on his throne if he's the one we're bowing to.
1: Right? And Christ was on his throne during the campaign as well. <laughs> right. And and regardless of the outcome and that is a question of, you know, and I think that's an extremely important point because our responsibility mm-hmm. is to be obedient to Christ mm-hmm. in all things. Um, and and that is and it doesn't mean like well unless we're in a really hot, heated election and <laughs> we're not going to survive this other person winning. I mean, right. part of that is understanding that the church in twenty first century America is not exactly the most persecuted, most suffering. Manifestation right. of the body of Christ in the his in human history. I mean, I think we're probably one of the most comfortable. And um, so far as part of it is a little bit just stepping back and having perspective, but understanding that it's how we conduct ourselves. And are we shape? As I said before the break, as we are we shaping the political discourse in our communities and in our country, or are we just respond reacting to it and being being drawn into the worst okay. of our political discourse?
0: So now a lot of people don't really even understand outside of social media, you know, uh, hashtag slacktivism, uh, how hmm. to uh, approach the government uh, and uh, to talk to them about those matters that are important. So uh, talk a little bit. It's, it's different from state to state, but talk a little bit about here in Kentucky. How does one go about going and approaching their, their representatives in the state government and the city government and saying, hey, these things are important. Let me give you my opinion. Yeah, and I think
1: that's—it's hard to stress how extremely important state government is. Mm -hmm. Local government is very important as well, but it's so many decisions are made at the state level, and you know. And I would even challenge people: if you had a very strong opinion about Trump or Clinton, but don't know your state legislator, then I would challenge you that you know you're not really doing faithful citizenship right. You need Mm -hmm. to be engaged at that level, and the great thing about that is you're never going to meet probably donald trump or hillary right. never gonna everybody says which candidate would you like to have a beer with well mike you're not gonna have a beer with either one of them okay right but you your state legislature no matter state legislators no matter which state you're in are probably pretty accessible they live in your mm-hmm. communities in kentucky we have a part-time legislature so they mm-hmm. are lawyers or business owners or what in your town. Right. Um, and they they will, they love it when voters in their constituency want to meet with them to talk about some issue important with them. These are not people that are hard to act, get access to, and they make extremely important decisions. So, And part of that is just, you know, you don't have to do that on your own. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in Kentucky, we do a lot of... A lot, your Catholic conference can be, whichever state you live in, can be a great resource for that. But if you can get involved in a group through your parish just to kind of break the ice on that and get... Mm-hmm used to that. Once you've done it a time or two, it can become part of the way you engage the process. And that's extremely healthy, you know, um, when I was in
0: Oklahoma, I uh, they had a couple of days. They had uh, one called Rose Day, which was a pro-life advocacy day. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a, a homeschool day. They've got a 4-H Farmers Day where you sure. you get people and they come and all converge on the state capitol. I don't know if that happens here as well. Like many times.
1: Yeah, very distinct. Uh,
0: but one, it's a great education for the kids because they see the legislative process. But two, the. I, I've never had a problem getting in to talk to a legislator. Yeah. And uh, I had the great privilege of interacting in Oklahoma uh, with Rebecca Hamilton, who's a Pathios sure. blogger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I actually learned a lot from her. And she was very open to hearing my positions on things that disagreed with her. And it was a very cordial conversation. Uh, and it was something that growing up, I was always, you know, we were, we were. Homeschooled and it's like, hey, you got to write your legislators mm-hmm. and you you give them what for. And it's kind of like this form letter and it's very impersonal yeah. and you never hear back. And so I, I, that's kind of what I expected was just kind of, a, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, <laughs> I, I see that you're here. OK, nice to see you. See you later. Uh, and it wasn't. It, there was a, a conversant quality to it. Yeah. And I think, you know, part of the reason
1: for that is that if you are, it's amazing. And I, I tell this to people all the time. If you have three or four people that really care mm-hmm. about some issue at the state level and you go try to meet with your local, it's amazing how effective that is. Yeah. It will blow your mind how effective that is. And part of it is because the vast majority of people aren't engaged. Right. And when three or four people get a bee in their bonnet about something, <laughs> legislators they respond. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that doesn't always, I don't mean you're always going to get what you want, but you're going to get a conversation Yeah, and you're going to sit down and there's going to be engagement and real participation in that process. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and that is, I think that's one of the things that make me a little, it's easy for temptation to depression or despair, let's <laughs> say, is that I see how easy that is yeah. and how many are so uninterested in that type of engagement. But, hours and hours and hours of arguing about the presidential race and well, which which you have so little control over right. and is so be, your ability to affect things is so much especially when you're just arguing with talking points on Facebook that's not a very effective
0: right you know religion. if if you were if you're going to spend an hour on Facebook if you would have spent 15 minutes yeah. talking face to face with a legislator you would have made immensely yes. more progress and, you know, the the pro-life issue was a big one, this presidential election. And I just want to point out every single game that I know of that's happened in the pro-life uh, movement has happened at the state level. Right. Uh, and some people are like, well, I, you know, if we just get the right judges in, we're going to overturn Roe v. Wade. Well, the last time that we did that with the Republican-controlled uh, Supreme Court was uh, we ended up with Planned Parenthood versus Casey, which was a strengthening mm-hmm. of the Roe versus Wade law. But let's just assume for a moment that we get really good judges and they overturn Roe versus Wade tomorrow, which would be w- would be a success. What would be achieved? Because all that does is it roll- rolls it back to the states, and the right. states and are entrenched. Roe v. Wade is probably even with quote unquote good
1: judges not going to be overturned. It could be distinguished that you could have a court that is more that is less prone to strike down abortion restrictions. That's kind of how Mm -hmm. in the real world it's likely to manifest itself. But that doesn't even make it to the court if you don't have state legislatures passing the laws that are then challenged in court. So the action is in the state legislatures on Mm -hmm. those issues.
0: So uh, you do this all the time. Uh, You... How would someone get engaged? Uh, Not every state has them, but many do. How would someone get engaged and find out about their Catholic conference? And then how could they be involved in the things that you put on?
1: Well, I think one great resource is your diocesan newspaper. I mean, we use those extensively to communicate with people. We also have a website, Facebook and Twitter. I think most conferences have that kind of thing. We also Mm -hmm. have an email list, although frankly, with the way, and I encourage people to sign up for that, but You know, social media is kind of replacing email as an effective way to communicate. But if somebody asked me, how do I plug in? I would say, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and read your diocesan newspaper. And we are, here in Kentucky, going to be having events around the state between now and the end of January, uh, actually, the first week of February, uh, where we're inviting legislators to come and people from the local area to engage and where we facilitate that. I'll make mm-hmm. a presentation about kind of our legislative priorities for the upcoming session. And then there's that opportunity for engagement, which if you've never done that before, those kinds of events are wonderful ways to see how it, to meet your legislator.
0: Right. And those uh, and, are not a u- lot of conferences do that around the country. Yeah, that's not unique to the Kentucky. Catholic no, Conference. a lot of that's, conferences. A lot do. of conferences do that. We've been talking today with Jason Hall. He's the executive director of the Catholic Conference here in Kentucky, which is the lobbying group that approaches state governments uh, with the, the issues that are important to the Catholic Church, uh, speaking on behalf of the bishops and all the faithful. Why don't you continue this conversation over on facebook.com slash step outside the walls on Twitter. The handle is at outside the walls. Have you ever talked to one of your legislators? I want to hear the story. Uh, We'll be right back after this. You're listening to outside the walls with Timothy Putnam. Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I am your host, Timothy Putnam. Oh, here we are. Well, we're just past the election, and uh, I want to reiterate to you the words that Christ spoke to his apostles. He said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. We uh, we are experiencing uh, the reminder that the kingdom that we are to be striving for is the kingdom of God. We talked about that just now with Jason Hall. He's the executive director of the Catholic Conference of Kentucky. Uh, And we talked about that in our first segment. Uh, Here's here's the thing. Uh, We are in this world— Right, we have to do what we can uh, with the gifts that we've been given, and in our specific uh, situation here in the United States, we have that obligation even more so because we have been given the gift of being able to influence our political structure. Uh, not every not every Catholic in the world has that opportunity. Right, uh, there are people who live in uh, in countries with dictators who have not the opportunity to influence their government in the way that we do. And so, yes, we have this gift. We are to be political in, insofar as we are able, and yet always remembering that our fidelity goes to God, right? We talked earlier about the utter, uh, tr- the absolute truth and the utter insufficiency of merely saying, oh, well, don't worry about the election because God is on his throne. Here's the thing. If God is on his throne, we owe him our fealty. We owe him our loyalty, and and he alone... Right, uh, and so if we're going to say God is on His throne, we actually have to live like His throne makes a difference in our lives, uh, and that that means that we're not always going to line up with a specific political party. Now, I will tell you that I am not one of the people out here who is uh, bemoaning the fact that Donald Trump is the president. Uh, I'm not. Neither am I excited about it. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, if uh, if Hillary were elected, I would have many, many things that I would be worried about, that I would be watching uh, to keep in check, to make sure that I spoke on behalf of the church, uh, to to represent the needs and the best interest of the kingdom of God uh, in her policies. I'd be standing up and I'd have a lot of problems with a lot of the things she did. Uh, and the truth of the matter is that I also have a lot of problems with some of the things that that Donald Trump has put forward. And the truth is that I had a lot of problems with uh, with the things that President Obama put forward and some of the things that President Bush put forward, and that's the nature of what it means for us to be Catholic, right? We have a kingdom uh, that we are part of. We are citizens of this United States, but we are first and foremost citizens of heaven. I'm reminded of those final words of St. Thomas More, uh, that, uh, remember that I die as the king's good servant, but God's first. And when those two kingdoms come into conflict, uh, the person that we defend and the person that we obey is very telling. And so as a Catholic, I want to encourage you, uh, choose who you're going to serve and choose before the, the loyalty gets tested, uh, there are going to be times where our loyalty is tested and we have to say, I'm going to follow the church on this. I'm going to stand up for what uh, the, the apostles have handed down, or I'm going to follow this, this earthly kingdom. And so that's what this show really all the time is about, is who are we going to serve? What are the implications of these things that we say we believe in the Catholic church? So uh, we're going to get to our readings, as always, uh, or as <laughs> as most of the time. Uh, we're going to do these readings from church history and from Scripture. And I tell you, the Scripture passages today, I did not pick them, and I was not planning on doing this show. I had another show lined up for today, and uh, after the election, I just had to get Jason Hall on because it just fits so perfectly. So then I, I pulled up the Scriptures uh, after I agreed to get Jason Hall on, And my goodness, they are perfect for the day. So uh, sometimes these things just line up. Uh, I want to encourage you. uh, We do this every week. If this is your first time joining us, uh, go over to OutsideTheWalls.com. I've got all the archives up there. Uh, Really going almost all the way back. Uh, The 17th of November is our second year anniversary And I am planning something special uh, on that 17th. Uh, I'm going to do a video chat with all of my friends of the show. If you're a friend of the show, you're going to get an invitation that says, Hey, let's hang out, and we're just going to uh, sit around our... Uh, the the warm glow of our computer screens, and we're gonna we're gonna have some conversation together, uh, two way conversation. What do you know? So if you want to be a part of that, it's not too late. All you gotta do is go over to outsidethewalls.com, click on that friend of the show uh, banner up at the top, the uh, navigation up in the menu, and uh, then. You, you go through, you read the little thing about it, you say, hey, this is interesting. I want to support the show. I want to be uh, eligible for the special giveaways and content and videos and everything else, so I'm going to do this. So for $10 a month, uh, that's that's two cups of coffee. That's a really good, a pound of good coffee. Uh, then you can, $10 a month, be eligible for all those things, become a friend of the show, and you'll be invited to that uh, that second anniversary video chat just me and those people who support the work we do here. So don't delay, do that today. Go ahead over outsidethewalls.com, become a friend of the show and uh, I look forward to seeing you in that video chat. So um, we are, we're talking about, uh, we're talking about the kingdom of God. and here, uh, today's gospel is perfect. Uh, Actually, you know, I'm going to start the first reading. The first reading is perfect. 3 John 5, uh, 3 John 5 through 8. And he says this, Beloved, you are faithful in all you do for the brothers and sisters, especially for strangers. They have testified to your love before the church. Please help them in a way worthy of God to continue their journey. For they have set out for the sake of the name and are accepting nothing from the pagans. Therefore, we ought to support such persons so that we may be co-workers in the truth. Here it is, right? Here it is. You're living your life in such a way that people notice, and people who are not already in the church are testifying to it. So no matter who you support in your politics, make sure that your life is a reflection of the kingdom values. Now, today's gospel was just spot on. Uh, It's out of the gospel of Luke chapter 18, and Jesus told his disciples a parable about the necessity for them to pray always without becoming weary. He said there was a judge from a certain town who neither feared God nor respected any human being, and a widow in that town used to come to him and say, render a just decision for me before my adversary. For a long time, the judge was unwilling, but eventually he thought, While it is true that I neither fear God nor respect any human being, because this widow keeps bothering me, I shall deliver a just decision for her, lest she finally come and strike me. The Lord said, Pay attention to what the dishonest judge says. Will not God then secure the rights of his chosen ones who call out to him day and night? Will he be slow to answer them? I tell you, he will see to it that justice is done for them speedily. But when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Oh, what, what what does that say to me? First of all, it, it's a reminder that we have unjust judges. We do. And I'm not talking about the judicial uh, only. I'm talking about our legislatures. I'm talking about these are people who, many of them, neither fear God uh, nor nor man, right? Uh, nor respect any human being. And yet, if we are adamant in asking for a just decision, and we keep going back, and we keep taking those two or three people and sitting in front of them and telling them what we—, we we ask uh, eventually, they're gonna they're gonna relent. The other thing is, uh, Christ is going to render us a good decision, but will he find faith on the earth? Will we abandon our faith for expediency to try and get the things done the way we want them done, or will we continue to cry out to God to stand on our principles and to pray and to ask him to render that just decision? So I, I encourage you on both sides, uh, petition your leaders and Spend time in prayer. Now, lastly, uh, our reading from church history today. I love this. This is from a second century homily. Uh, It's not attributed to anyone. And uh, the the author says this, With regard to self-control, I believe I have given you good advice. No one who follows it will have reason for regret, but will save his own soul, and mine as well, since I have been his counselor. Indeed, there is no small reward for converting an erring soul and saving it from perishing. Moreover, whether it is our duty to speak or to listen, we have it in our power to make some recompense to the God who created us by speaking or listening with faith and love. We must remain firm in our faith, therefore, and live upright and holy lives, for we shall then feel at ease and confident when we present our petitions to God who says, While you are still speaking, I will say, See, I am here. In these words, the Lord makes a wonderful promise and shows us that he is more ready to give than we are to ask. We all have a share in this extraordinary goodness. So the great blessings we receive should never make us envy one another. In fact, the degree of pleasure these words bring to those who live by them is equaled only by the condemnation they will bring on those who disregard them. So you see, my brothers, that we have been given every inducement to amend our lives. We have been called by God, and now it is up to us to return to Him while we still have time, and one who is ready to receive us. For if we renounce sinful pleasures and practice self-control by refusing to yield to our evil desires, we shall share in the mercy of Jesus. Well, that's what it's all about. Are we going to live our lives seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Are we going to be pursuing justice? Are we gonna pursue those things that are in the best interest of the kingdom of God? That's all the time we have for this week. Outside the Walls is a co-production of Breadbox Media and St. Michael Radio heard around the world on live streaming terrestrial radio and podcast. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you. And give you peace.